0: Well done. Okay. Right, now I have the privilege and pleasure to introduce Jane from the keyboards to the podium. Mm. You right? <laughs> and we put a drawer on Jane because we want every little bit that's inside of you that God's input into you. She's a lady who knows her God. And in a lady who knows that she's free. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. That's it. Thank you, amen. Can you listen fast? Because <laughs> we're... Uh... Okay, a couple of weeks ago I did the nugget, if you remember, and talked about submission in the context of unity. Um, And um, I've been amazed at how many times the word unity has come into a prophecy, into discussions in prayer. People have prayed it. And just again and again. And then this morning in the watch, was it Pam? In her word, in her prayer, um, very passionately about unity. So I trust I'm on target this morning. And a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, I showed you a a starling murmuration. Well, I'm going to show you another one, just in case any of you missed it, and because I think there's something we have to catch. So, these are starlings. And it's about how they move together, they're not joined. We can't see a leader although that's not particularly the issue, but none of them crash and fall out of the sky. And some of those groups are pretty tightly packed together. And it's not like the geese formation. You know where they're in an head, and everybody's in a very strict place? in that arrowhead shape, so they know where they're going and they've got their place. So in a sense, that's a bit more predictable, isn't it? Because this is, as far as I can see, totally unpredictable. It's flexible. It moves... We're not going to the next one. Thank you, Dana. I'm moving off that now. So, unity... God is looking for a flexible structure. The problem with religion is it's not flexible. It's a very tight order, and that's not what God's looking for. He's not looking for a strict structure with a hierarchy. That's not his plan. Um, So it's a key area of expressing the kingdom. Sorry, I've forgotten to get this up ready with the word. Let me do it on this one then. You're going to see it again now. Oh, no, you're not. Just let me get my Bible up. So what is unity? My key scripture, if you're into those, is going to be from John 17. And the thing about John 17 is, I'm going to say something really profound now, it follows John 14, 15, and 16. <clears throat> it's Jesus talking, it, and it's a whole. And the problem when sometimes when we read the word, especially if we're short on time, is we read little chunks, don't we? So actually, when I'm saying John 17 follows 14, 15, and 16, there's a reason for that, because actually that's a whole um, conversation, a complete conversation, as far as we're aware of, of Jesus with his disciples. And so, um, yes, it's good to focus on bits of it, but we need to bear in mind that John 17 did follow on from what he just said to them in 14, 15, and 16. Do you understand where I'm going with that? So when he makes certain statements or when he prays in 17, it's in the light of what he's just been talking about. So, John 17, starting at verse 20. <clears throat> and I know we're short of time, but I'm going to read it from the Amplified. So, you might have some extra bits. So, it's Jesus having spoken to the disciples, having laid certain things out, he's then praying. And this is the end of the prayer. We haven't got time to read it right from verse 1. So verse 20. Neither for these alone do I pray. It's not for their sake only that I make this request. But also for all those who will ever come to believe in, to trust in, to cling to, to rely on me through their word and through their teaching. So who's he praying for here? verse 21 that they all may be one just as you father are in me and i in you that they also may be one in us so that so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me I have given to them the glory and honor which you have given me, and that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, in order that they may become one and perfectly united. That the world may know and definitely recognize that you sent me, and that you have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have entrusted to me as your gift to me may be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me, your love gift to me. For, the, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, just and righteous Father, although the world has not known you and has failed to recognize you, And has never acknowledged you. I have known you continually, and these men understand and know that you have sent me. I have made your name known to them, and revealed your character and your very self, and I will continue to make you known, that the love which you have bestowed upon me may be in them felt in their hearts and that i myself may be in them so any discussion of unity has to begin and be centered on the godhead because we see here that jesus repeatedly says i am in you father you are in me i am in you you are in me There's unity there. So unity is, first of all, demonstrated in the Godhead. Three persons in one. Now, I probably may not say anything you haven't heard before this morning. But it's the decade of look and look again. So put your listening ears on and hear what the Spirit's saying this morning. Don't listen to my words. Listen past my words Because, as I say, you've probably heard it all before, but that's not the point. And I make no apology for the fact you've probably heard it all before. But God's calling us to a new level of unity. What's been there before is not going to cut it for this new season. So three persons in one, unity. Different functions, but one. No competition, one. And in one sense, no hierarchy. One. Now, we can debate that one. Do we put hierarchy into the Godhead, or is there a hierarchy in the Godhead? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, different functions, but one. Totally united. So that's the first area we see unity demonstrated in the Godhead. We see unity in the two natures of Jesus, in the person of Jesus Christ. He's perfect God, he's perfect man. He's truly God, he's truly man. One person. There's a perfect unity but two distinct natures in a perfect union. Thirdly, unity of God's people with himself. And this is where you need to read 14 to 16 in John, because I haven't got time to do that. But if you read through from chapter 14 to 16, he, there he keeps talking about, I and you, you in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's a union and a unity that Christ is looking for each one of us. Colossians 1.27, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I haven't got time to, get, to, to unpack that right now. But we were lost and without the glory. Man lost his glory. But Christ in us replaces. When God created man, he crowned him with glory. It was lost in the fall. But when we receive the life of Jesus, when we receive the life of the Spirit, that glory is uh, replenished, restored. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Christ lives in me. Unity, union. Ephesians 4 talks about Christ being the head and we the body. You can't have a dismembered head. It doesn't function. In the earth, it needs a body. And a body can't function without a head. Now, again, with the whole religious and Masonic and all that mindset, when we talk head, we think hierarchy. But actually, the head is just part of the body. Now, Christ's headship is supreme. But can you see where I'm going here? There's a unity because we're not saying better than, we're saying different function. Okay? So uh, Ephesians 4, 11, a, a familiar scripture talking about some being apostles, prophets. We've heard a lot of that, but that's not the bit I'm focusing on today. Verse 13 says, the fivefold uh, ministry is being given till we all come to the unity of the faith. Till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Till we all come to a perfect man. To being a perfect man. I'll just rephrase that slightly. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what the purpose is. Not to go and do things, but to be something. You see... The enemy wants to keep us doing. But we've heard it all before. We are not human doings. We are human beings. And the place we have to be is in the spirit, united first and foremost to the Godhead. Spiritual unity. Verse 15, um, speaking the truth in love, so that we would grow up. In all things, into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. Joined and knit together. The Lord had me look up chainmail a month or so back. It's fascinating. Um, Chainmail is made up of circles interlinked, and it is so strong but so flexible so flexible i haven't got time to get the picture up right now because we're short of time um, but it's again the picture of a structure where I- I- in the circles of chain mail everything touches everything else around it but it's totally flexible and totally strong so moving on unity of the body The unity of the body, therefore, having stated that about the Godhead, the unity of the body then needs to be in the same way as the unity of the Godhead. Can you see where I'm going from that? But you see, what we often do is say, yeah, Godhead, three in one, united. So, okay, I I need to have a meal with you then so that we can get to know one another. Um, I need to do this then, don't I? No, the Godhead is because they are in unity. And we need to get to the state of being one, and then what we do will come out of that. But you see, we mustn't put the cart before the horse. Otherwise, we're just into works. So, unity of the body has to be in the same way. It has to be, first and foremost, a spiritual unity. It's function, not form. It's not building committees. It's not building this, that, and next, and the other to do things. It's being. Ephesians 4.3, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let me just read the context there. I, therefore, this is Paul speaking to Ephesians who are Gentile Christians, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseechs you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and is above you all and through all and in you all. Did you catch all those ones? Do you think he's trying to get a point over here? There's one. Now, if I am joined spiritually that way, then that makes me joined This way, because we're both joined. Right? Can I borrow you two a moment? I was going to come over, but I'm not allowed to come off the stage, am I? (laughs) Okay, so if we are all joined to Him, I could do with some ribbon, really. Imagine it, yeah? Right, so if Howard's holding a spiritual ribbon up to the Lord, he's joined. Dit's got her relationship with the Lord, and I've got mine, and they're all going to a central point. Can you see it in your mind? So actually, we're all joined. We don't have to hold hands to be joined, because we are joined. We can't help but be joined, because we're all fastened to the same thing. We've all got the same life force coming in. Are you catching what I'm saying here? Thank you. So what man does is form things and say, I have to metaphorically hold hands with you, otherwise I'm not one with you. No, it's a spiritual unity we're looking for. Ephesians 4.25, Therefore putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another, whether you like it or not. We are members one of another. 1 Corinthians twelve four to 7 Diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Your gift is not for you. Your gift is for all. So if you withhold your gift, it's not just between you and God. It's actually for us all. Sorry, if that was a bit hard. don't know where that came from. Let's move on. It's already in existence. This spiritual unity already exists in the Godhead. We saw that at the beginning. It's already there. We don't need to create it. We're not trying to make it. Our responsibility is to continue it, preserve it, the Bible says. It's not mechanical, it's not organizational, it's eternal and spiritual. And we are connected into that it's not about what we do it's about who we are and we are if we are connected that way we are connected that way it's a spiritual truth we don't have to manufacture it john 17:21 we saw earlier that they may be one as you father are in me and i in you that they also may be one in us and the world may believe that you sent me And then it goes on to say, and the glory which you gave me, I've given them that they may be one just as we are one. It's awesome, isn't it? We are being invited in to this community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Their family, their community, their oneness. He wants us in it. Does that not make you go, It's awesome. Our God is not a God who is a far off, but a God who is near. He wants us to be one in that community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Does that make us a God like him? No, it doesn't. It makes us family. That's what he said. I want you as family. There's no gap, there's no space, there's no interval, but it's a continued unity. Do you remember last week at Touchpoint, somebody, and I can't remember who, was talking about the fivefold, like five different bits of the same bit of cloth? Do you remember that? Janice. And I see unity a bit like that. You know, it's the same bit of cloth that that the the Godhead has, and, and we're just continuing that bit of cloth. We're just part of that thread in the cloth. No gap, no space. Continued unity from the Godhead through the body, through the church, through the ecclesia. God works, you see, in circles and cycles. The Greek mindset is straight lines that start and finish. Gods aren't. They're cycles. We were hearing that earlier. He he deals with cycles. So we have a cycle that starts with the Godhead. It comes down to us. I in you, and you in me. I in you, and you in me. And it's a continuous, eternal cycle. So, let's just quickly touch on, I'll try and go really quickly now. Sorry, it's getting quite late. Conditions for unity has to be based on the word John 17, 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through the preached word, their word, the disciples' word. Faith in the word and the revealed manifested Father's name. Faith in the word and the revealed manifested Father's name. The disciples were preaching about Jesus. Jesus had come to exegete the Father. Exegete, explain the Father, show the Father, reveal the Father. That's why Jesus came, because man had forgotten who he was. They'd lost touch with him, sin had separated. So Jesus came to show the Father. And that's what the disciples took up to show the Father. That's what preaching the gospel is about it's revealing the Father. Jesus revealed the Father to the disciples and now they were preaching what they knew and believed about the Father and Jesus. And on this basis of relationship and revelation, Jesus prayed for unity. On this basis of revelation, on this basis of the relationship, Jesus prayed for unity. There can be no unity with a faith that does not share this common ground. No, I say this in terms of the harlot Babylon. You cannot have unity that is outside of the core common faith. It's not unity. It's an organization. You cannot be united. You can have fellowship. As Paul said, I'd have to pray for you to come out of the world if you weren't actually going to. You know, speak to any of them. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about you cannot talk to them, but you cannot have this spiritual unity that I'm talking about today. You cannot continue this unity, this oneness that's in the Godhead with somebody that doesn't believe in them, that does someone that doesn't acknowledge who Jesus is. You can't have that sort of unity. The glory which is shared, shared and given to us brings us into a particular relationship. The glory which Jesus has from the Father, which Jesus shared, which Jesus has given to us, brings us into a particular relationship. Verse 22, the glory which you've given me, I've given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Jesus, God gave to Jesus, sorry, whilst on earth, union with himself, intimate relationship, intimate relationship. He doesn't want to be distant. He wants an intimate, close relationship with us of unity so that we would always depend on him and he's given it to us. Jesus demonstrated it, intimate relationship. He he depended on the Father. He spent nights praying to get, get the agenda of the Father. Somebody said, last weekend again what's on the bulletin board in heaven he wanted to know what was on the bulletin board in heaven so that he could execute it here on earth so let me see what we can skip through here so we're not orphans we're vitally united we're spiritually united we're based solidly on truth there is no unity Not this spiritual unity without it being based solidly on truth. It cannot, it cannot, it cannot exist outside of the person and work of Jesus. It cannot exist outside of what he said. It cannot exist outside of the Holy Spirit. Because it's a spiritual entity. The word Christ is not Jesus' surname. Christ is the anointed one and the anointing. And it's a great thing to read the word sometimes and where you see the word Christ, translate it. The anointed one and his anointing. Because you're anointed with that same anointing. So Christ in you. That is not the same as saying Smith in you. McCallum in you. It's not the same. It's the anointing in you. The same anointing that was on Jesus is in you. The same. We often teach the little ones, there is no junior Holy Spirit. There is one Holy Spirit and they have the same Spirit, the same as you have the same Spirit. You have the same Spirit over there that they have over there. There is no different Holy Spirit. There is one. Unity is different from fellowship. There can be no unity with a system of beliefs then that differs from who Jesus said he is and came to do. He was the incarnate word of the Father made flesh. So one Lord, one faith, one baptism. No amount of organization can bring this sort of unity that shares a common faith. Okay, just a few things then. Breaking unity. Breaking unity, then, deviating from truth. As soon as you deviate from the truth of the word, as soon as you deviate from who Jesus said he was, then there cannot be this spiritual unity. Hence, why it has to be based on the word of God. Unity can be broken by the way we conduct ourselves. So, for example, in the New Testament, they started arguing as to who was better, Paul, uh, Peter, or Apollos. And it brought a division. It broke that unity. It caused a division and a barrier. Um, boasting over individual kind of spiritual gifts. We all need to desire the spiritual gifts. We all need them. We all need to manifest them for his glory, for the body, to increase his reputation. Not ours. His reputation. Doxa is the word for glory. Glory. And it includes the idea of reputation. So when we're talking about doing something to the praise of his glory, we're talking about doing it to increase his reputation. So when we're doing something to the praise of his glory, we're doing it for his reputation. Um, And then the fourth area of breaking unity uh, is, of course, sin. don't need to say much... More than that, sin formed the original barrier between us and the Godhead. And it can also not only break the uh, unity that way, but it will break the unity that way too. So the function of unity. First of all, then, it's to manifest the truth about Jesus. Did you notice uh, in verse 21 that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that, did you catch this? So that. The reason being why they need to be one in us and one together is so that the world may believe and be convinced that you've sent me. It does not say so that the whole world will get saved. It doesn't. It doesn't. Some people will not get saved. They will choose not to. And that's not what Jesus is asking for. He's saying so that they will be convinced that you sent me. They'll be convinced of who I am. They'll know the truth. And some will choose the truth and it will set them free. So, first of all, it's to manifest the truth about Jesus. Secondly, it's to manifest and demonstrate that God loves us in the same way he loves Jesus. Did you catch how many times it says about love? I'd love to spend longer on there. Please have a look at it yourselves at home. God loves you exactly the same as he loves Jesus. Dwell on it. Meditate on it. Mutter it, as I think the Jewish people say. They don't learn by Uh, what do we say word of mouth they do no they say word of mouth isn't it anyway sorry red herring there meditate on it god loves you exactly the same as he loves jesus we are the special objects of his love the demonstrations of his love as jesus was and as jesus is so are we even in this world now i do want to say this this morning God loved Jesus. Jesus suffered and died. And lots of people get stuck there. How can God love if He allows that to happen? And that's because we think physical, temporal, World, we do not have an eternal perspective because actually, it's not about my comfort, it's about something bigger than my comfort, it's about his purposes and his kingdom, which are higher than my comfort. So, God loved Jesus all the way through the cross. He never stopped loving him. He was separated by sin, but he never stopped loving him. He turned his back because he couldn't face or be part of sin, but he never stopped loving him. It wasn't a turning of the back that says, oh, I've had enough of you then, which is how we often (laughs) respond, isn't it? That wasn't why God turned his back. He loved him so much. Did he want to see him have to go through that? No, but there was a higher calling. There was a higher calling, which is why Jesus had to go to the place of, God, if you can, take this away. But I understand that there's a higher purpose here than just how I feel. And he was prepared to do that. And you know, part of the union, the unity that God's calling us to, is to put the flesh under. It's to put the, actually, this is what I want. Just after, it says that we may grow up. And I do think part of this is a grow up. Part of what holds us back is, may I say, toddler tantrums. Sorry, I don't like it done that way. I wanted red curtains. I wanted, you know, whatever, whatever. I want my flesh, my comfort, my... It's not about that. There's a higher calling. And that's what I believe God's putting his finger on. There's a higher calling than how we've operated before. It's not about being somebody's servant of being downtrodden. It's not about that at all. Not about that at all. It's about a higher calling, a higher purpose. And then it says in the Word, when we understand that love's not dependent on our circumstances and comfort, when we can get past that, then people can look and say, what enables them to be like this in these circumstances? And then people will look and say, truly, he was the son of God. It will cause people to look and say, they've been thrown to the lions and yet they still know they're loved by God and they still know who they are in God. Can you see, it was for the purpose that people would recognize who Jesus is and why he came to the world. It was a a demonstration. The early church demonstrated it to their world even when they were thrown to the lions. That unity shakes the world. That unity that, that is prepared to lay down the life for another. It's not about necessarily selling all your possessions, living together. That was a practical outworking for the church then. But you see, what church has said is, oh, they were unified, the early church, when the the, uh, spirit first uh, fell. And so they sold all the possessions and they put everything in a common pot and lived together. So we ought to do that so that we'll get unity. No, cart before the horse. Get the unity and God will show how that will work out in our context. It's not about doing the practical thing first. It's about getting the unity first. And then that will flow out in things that happen. It's about knowing the love of the Father, what Jesus has done And standing in that truth, whatever faces us. That was what shook the world in the early church. So, I believe we're being exhorted by God to enter into a higher, further, deeper, whatever word you want to put in there, encounter with the Godhead. It's about relationship. I in you and you in me. I in you and you in me. It's relationship, it's intimate relationship. It's a unity, it's a union with the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And out of that unity, when that is in place, then things will be exemplified, they'll be demonstrated, they'll be manifested, and that unity will be continued the unity that exists in the Godhead already will just be continued and will flow. Both individually and corporately. We have to be in union vertically to be in union horizontally. Vitally united with the Godhead. Members one of another in a spiritual unity. wonder what it's going to look like. But let's not put the cart before the horse. Let's strive for a unity of the spirit, because when we have that, we can't help but love one another. Amen. So, shall we respond? I know it's late, guys. Sorry, just quickly. Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much that you have called us into that close relationship with you, that you want an intimate relationship with you. And right now, Lord, we circumcise our hearts and renew that and declare to you our desire. We want to have that unity, that union of closeness, of intimacy that you have offered us. It may be that you haven't had that before. I encourage you, if you've never made that step, to walk into that relationship with with God through Jesus Christ, And I invite you to do that right now. Just say to him, yes, Father God, I want that intimate, close relationship with you. And, Lord, we respond to you to set ourselves again to seek you and to be at one with you by the Spirit. And, Lord, we choose to to embrace and be uh, one body with those around us. But, Lord, we're not going to put the cart before the horse, so show us, Lord, How that's going to be expressed through me. And I understand, Lord, it's not going to be expressed through me the same way as it's going to be expressed through other people. But show me, Lord, what that flowing with your spirit looks like in this context, in this body here, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you made it all possible through your death on the cross through your paying for my sin, for the stuff that I've done wrong, Lord. You dealt with it. You paid the price for me. I thank you for that. And I just say, I want in. Amen.